0: pray together. Father, we come to open the scriptures now, and it is our desire that your word would speak deeply into our souls. We pray that you will shape us, that you will fashion us, remake us into the image of our Savior the Lord Jesus. And we pray that you'll visit our young ones downstairs and people in this room, others who are watching us from afar. Will you draw them to yourself, Lord Jesus? Subdue their hearts. Give them faith and repentance. May they call upon your saving name, for we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen please be seated the title of this sermon is man and woman in christ part two thank you jason man and woman in christ part two and we began part one by asking why are why are we even doing this series why are we thinking about masculinity and femininity man and woman in christ and the answer to that is because gender is somewhat in a state of flux at least with some people it is there's gender this going on there's gender that going on there's gender the other thing going on so we want to come back to god's word because gender is in flux but god's word isn't and it's for us it's god's word that tells us what is masculinity what is femininity What's it all supposed to look like? How do we work together? So that's why we're in this series. We started at creation and saw that men and women equally reflect the image of God. And really, we're gonna line up four points here. That was the first of the four. We're gonna line up four points that are intended to say, look, folks, in all the ways that most matter, men and women, male and female, we're equal. It's level ground. We're the same. Yes, there are differences. Those will come later. Uh, Maybe they get woven in some of the equal parts too. But for the most part, men and women are are the same in all the things that really matter. We equally, for example, we equally reflect the image of God. Now here's new material. Men and women are equally responsible for the mission. For the mission. We're equally responsible for the mission. What's the mission? We are here on the planet to do something. We're we're here on the planet with some responsibilities that God gave us. God said, this is why I've created you. This is why I've put you on the earth. It's good to know why God created us, why he put us on the earth. There's a mission. There's actually an Old Testament version of it, and there's a New Testament version of it. And we're equal In responsibility in that mission, let's look at it in the Old Testament version. It's found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and God blessed them. Notice everything we're going to see in this verse is about them. It's about both of them, male and female, and God blessed them. And God said to them, the man and the woman, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Let's stay right there a minute. So this is, this is part of the mission, and it's given to them equally. There's no difference here. It's equal. The man has this mission, and the woman has this mission. And together, working together, they are to be fruitful and multiply. So you have some, and they have some more, and they have some more, and they have some more. But it's not just kids. It's also trees and fields and businesses and medicine and everything else. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it by the way have we filled the earth that's a question that isn't answered by the bible but people giving their best guess now say we've got about seven billion people on the planet they believe that in coming years it'll get up to about 10 billion at which point they're saying for these reasons it'll level off and stay about there for a long long time well that's what they're predicting we'll see but however many billions are on the planet, this is what we're there for. This is our, our mission. We're to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rest of the verse. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we're here to fill it and rule under it, over it under God. We're like little vice regents ruling in his stead. And men and women are equally responsible for the mission. So for one of the most important things that's going on on the planet, the man cannot say to the woman, I have no need of you. And the woman cannot say to the man, I don't need you. No, we're we're really very, very dependent on each other, and we're equal in responsibility for this mission. Different roles. Here's her part in it, here's his part in it. But, but equal in responsibility. There's a New Testament version. I'm not putting the verses up for you. But a New Testament iteration of that Old Testament mission. And the mission is the great co-mission. The new mission is be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with believers. It's make disciples of every nation. Baptize them and teach them. That's the mission we're really on now. And men and, e- and women are equally given that mission. It's given to the church. It's not given to the men of the church. It's not given to the women of the church. Though I want to say, here's my guess. I think it's better than a guess, but we'll call it a guess. I would say, I'd hazard a guess that women are way more effective in, women are bearing way more fruit in the new covenant version of our mission than men. Here's why I say that. We know statistically this is crazy. We know statistically that most people who come to saving faith in Jesus Christ do it between the ages of 4 and 14. 85% of all people who come to Jesus Christ and say you're my lord, you're my Savior, they do it between 4 and 14. Who has the most influence on them between 4 and 14? Men or women? How many think men? How many think women? Yeah. So, when it comes to the new covenant version of the mission for which God has us on the planet, I'd have to vote and say women are doing way more toward the fulfillment of that mission than men. And I'm not faulting men for that, I'm saying it's kind of the nature of the beast. It's just the way things work out, we won't get into all that. But here we go, men and women are equally responsible for the mission. So we equally reflect the image of God, we're equally responsible for the mission, we're equal, equal, equal in the things that are most significant about us, in the things that are most important about us. Now here we come to a third one, men and women are equal in their fallenness, amen? Amen? Are men more fallen than women? Some people think so. Are women fallen in a worse way than men? Maybe somebody thinks so. But I think in our day, it's, it's man bashing that's really happening. The men are the problem on the planet. If we could just get rid of men, that would last for one generation. If we could just get rid of men, then the planet would be a better place. But men and women are equal when they're following this. Let's get some scripture on that. 1 John 1, 8, and John writes, if we say, if we, men or women, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So every man has to say, no, I'm a sinner. Every woman has to say, no, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up. We're equal in our fallenness. Or again, Romans 3:23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Every man on the planet? Every woman on the planet. Messed up. Fallen. Twisted. Falling short of the glory of God, or again, Romans 5.12. Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, anthropoi, the plural version of anthropos humans, not males humans, death spread to all humans, because all sinned. We all sinned in him and fell with him in his first transgression. So men and women are equal. In their fallenness. And again, I'm making this point because, well, it comes up in the Bible, but also because there's this men are the problem thing going on these days. And since I'm one of the, I'm I'm a guy, um, I'm not real keen about that. Now I can understand. I can understand why some women might get started that way. I can. You just think about it. Let's think about some crime statistics, way more violent crimes are committed by men. Way more murders. Here's the, here's the rate of incarceration for murder. I'll, I'll make you guess the rate. Let's say we have 100 people here, men and women. They've all been incarcerated for murder. How many of them out of 100, how many are women? Guess. Two, three, five, six. Six point something. We'll round it to six. How many of them are men? About 94. So uh, I can see why women would look at that and say, um, men are the problem on the planet. Incidentally, men and women use different tools for murder. What do you think men use primarily? Guns. What do you think women use? Blunt objects? sharp objects, and poison. That's why I sleep with one eye open. That's why she tastes the food first. But I, I can see. I can see why women would say, men, how many, how many wars in history have been started by women? I can't even think of one. There's probably one. It's all guys, right? It's men. So, So some conclude men are the problem. But the thing is, that doesn't fit with the Bible that teaches that we are all equally fallen. In other words, you, my dear sisters, must never look at a man and say, well, what do you expect? It's a man. No, no. You're no better than him and he's no worse than you. You're you're the same, you're equally fallen. It might manifest itself in different ways, it does, but you have in you just as much fallenness as he. And by the way, so does every other human. So it's important that you remember that, that you never look down your sanctimonious nose and say, well, I would never do what those people did. Yeah, you, you would. Like this is one of the most shocking things we should learn from what the Nazis did. We should look at that. And here's what, we, here's what people do. They say, oh, how terrible they are. I would have never done that. And we make them like subhuman, which is what they were doing with the Jewish people that they were persecuted. They're subhuman. First you subhuman, then, then you can treat them like subhuman. That's what they did. We treat them like they were subhuman, the Nazis. Well, I would have never done that. They're some different species. No, you're supposed to look at Nazis and say, holy cow so that's what's in me that's what's in humans it's shocking I could have participated in that because they were just normal people equal in fallenness they're no worse I mean they did worse things but in their soul in their fallenness in their sin nature they were the same as you same as me and men and women participated in the horrors of that whole thing so there's not one degree of fallenness in men and another degree of fallenness in women. We're just all fallen. So we're equal in bearing God's image. We're equal in the mission God gave us. We're equal in fallenness. Are you, are you seeing a theme here? Equal, equal, equal. Um, here's another equal. Men and women are equal in redemption. Amen? There's not like two crosses. Well, here's the cross for men. It's a very big cross because they're really bad that over here we have a little teeny cross. That's the one the women go to, and Jesus didn't have to die much for them. <laughs> no, no, no. We have one cross, and it's for men and for women. We have one Savior, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all and in all believers. So we are, we are really, really equal in Redemption. Listen to what Paul says about that in Romans 10, starting in verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Now, here he doesn't mention male and female, but you can put any distinction you want in there. Rather than list all the distinctions on the planet, he gave us two. But all the others would fit in here equally. So there is no distinction between men and women when it comes to the cross, When it comes to redemption, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone, male or female, who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's the same gospel, the same cross, the same Savior. We are equal in redemption. Paul gets more specific, gender-specific in Galatians 3, where he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male and female. Now there are some gender role differences in the church of Jesus Christ. That might get into the series a little later. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about redemption. He's talking about at the cross. And at the cross, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, male and female, heirs according to promise, male and female. So all the really important things about us, We're equal, equal in God's image, equal in the mission, equal in our fall, equal in redemption, equal in redemption. Salvation is not by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for men alone, or for women alone. No, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for everybody. So we are so equal in the things that really matter, God's image, our mission on the planet, our fall into sin, our redemption by Christ, it's equal, 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 equal. And those are the big things. Those are the, the big thing about you is not that you are a female, nor, sir, is the big thing about you that you are a male. The big thing about both of you is that you're created in God's image. You have the same mission. You're fallen, and you're redeemed by Christ. Christ. Amen? I wouldn't mind ending right there. You want to take a vote? Let's end right there. That's a nice spot. We're equal. But there are differences. And we need to talk about that because there are people in our day who are saying men and women are no different. Well, obviously, you know, there's different plumbing. But other than that, men and women are, are, are the same. Or they say, well, we see differences in their behavior, but it's all nurture and none of its nature. They're not born with it. We're we're all the same. We just become different because we get conditioned that way. I remember one of the most embarrassing moments I had in high school. It was in Mr. Richardson's humanities class. I loved Mr. Richardson. I loved him. I loved that class. And what we covered in there was so cool. It was a lot of psychology and stuff because he was big into that. But I remember he asked in class one day, and and he liked me. I knew he liked me. He asked in class one day, so what do you think? Are, Are men and women born the same? And being the very progressive young man that I was, I thought I'd be very magnanimous. And I said, You know, raise my hand, oh, oh, oh teacher, yes, yes, me. And, and I said, Yeah, they're the same. And he said in front of everybody, No. And it was just a, all right, it didn't seem like much to you. It was an embarrassing, embarrassing moment to me to be so wrong in his class. Are there any differences? Yeah, I'd like to throw in a whole section here, but I'm not going to, on our physical differences and our neurological differences and our chemical hormonal differences and our psychological and our social and relational and our verbal and our motivational differences and our satisfaction differences. I'll just pause on one of those, the neurological, because I read this book a couple years ago by a neuroscientist, a lady out in California. She wrote one called the woman's brain. And then a few years later, she wrote the male brain, the female brain, the male brain. Maybe that's it. The male brain wasn't very interesting, by the way. Men are boring. But the female brain was fascinating. And it it covered a woman from when she's in the womb, down through her development, and especially what's, what's happening chemically in her brain at different phases in her life, and what's happening as far as the brain wiring. Now, in that book, she says that our brains look, they're wired up very differently. You know this, don't you? So the male brain is more connected from the frontal lobe on the right to the frontal lobe on the rear, and from the frontal lobe on the left to the frontal lobe on the rear. We're connected front to rear, and the two halves are very separate. Women are connected that way, but they're also very, very connected left hemisphere to right hemisphere. So this lady says, this neuroscientist says, if, if you had an alien come down to the planet and you show them a male brain and a female brain, they would look at them and think, well, that's two different species. They're that different in the way they're made in size and in wiring. Doesn't mean men or women are smarter. We arrive at the same conclusions by different means we arrive at different ends by different means so there are neurological differences a man's brain goes while the woman's brain goes Shh. right i don't really know this and i don't want to ruin my marriage by telling telling on us but I, but there's this there's this little funny thing that debbie and i do and we've done it for almost 46 years now And and that is, I'll ask her a question. This happens over and over and over and over. I'll ask her a question. Um, Is the door open or is the door shut? What's the answer I want? Like, open, one word, or shut, one word, one word answer. Uh, Listen, when you marry a guy, you need to know this. He'll want one word answers. All right? So... I'll ask her, is the door open or shut? Now in my brain, that's like, here's open and there's shut. And that's it. There's nothing else attached to it. But in her brain, it goes and this thing lights up over here. And she answers by beginning to tell me the story about that thing. Right? Now I know this isn't across the board. There are some men who are more that way and some women who are more the other way, but it's the story. So I'm not really big in patience either. I'll just tell you the truth. I'm not, that is not my big department. So like I I just wanted the yes or the no, it's open or it's shut. And she starts telling me the story and I will sometimes say to her, "Uh, just answer my question. Yes or no, just answer my question. And sometimes I'll say, can you hear the words? They're coming out of my mouth. We do this thing and we laugh about it because we've been at this for 46 years. Maybe knowing how neuroscience now studies male and female brains and tells us these things are wired differently. They work differently. And when one topic comes up, one little piece of my brain lights up, but a whole bunch of pieces of her brain lights up, and they're all interconnected. Women are more holistic in their thinking about things. Interesting. So there are differences. Are there any differences in the Bible? Yeah, there are. So we've been seeing same, 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 same. Now we're going to see some difference. Here's where the first difference creeps in. The first place I see it in the Bible, it's this. Men and women are different in the reasons for their fall. Men and women are different in the reasons for for their fall. Eve fell. There were reasons. Adam fell. There were reasons. they are different reasons. Interesting. So in their in how they sinned and why they sinned and what brought them to the sin, they're different. So here we start, we get a peek at, we start learning about differences between men and women as seen in the Bible. Let's start with Eve, why did Eve fall? Why did she fall? I'm looking at all the E's. Why did your great grandma, 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 why did your mama, 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 why did she fall? What went wrong? What led her to that? You know the story. The tempter, the deceiver was there. He's like the first guy in marketing. And he's going to manipulate the market. And he says to her, "Uh, really? Did God really say that? And do you believe that? Because look how good it looks to eat. And furthermore, uh, he knows that if you eat it, it's going to make you better. You'll be a better version of you. It's going to make you wiser and more like God and so Eve took it and said yeah it does look pretty good and I hear what you're saying so and the Bible says and don't you make any standard cross the board doctrine out of this the Bible says she was deceived let me show you that first Timothy chapter two for Adam was formed first then Eve and Adam was not deceived So that's not what happened. Two different reasons why they fell. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. Slightly different word for deceived that second time. It's got X on the front of it, which is an intensifying preposition. When they do that, it means she was totally tricked. She was absolutely bamboozled. She didn't have one thought like, no, wait a minute. Maybe you're the devil and maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Hmm, let me debate this. No, she was like 100% all in. Yeah, that looks good. so the woman was super deceived and became a transgressor transgressor of what god's law that says don't eat from that tree so that's how that's how the woman fell she was duped now i need to pause on that for a minute because some of you guys are going to go somewhere that you should not go with that when i was a young man and i'm a new believer i'm like 17 i'm reading the bible i came across that and i and i i reached this conclusion all right all women are easily deceived. Or women are more easily deceived than men. I had a man sit out there with his little wife sitting there agreeing uh, a couple years ago, and he was telling me, uh, women aren't good at making decisions. They're easily deceived. The man should make all the decisions. I wanted to make a decision for him, like you ought to leave. So, why do we not believe that that verse means all women are really, really subject to deception? Well, for one thing, it doesn't say that. It says in this one instance that we're looking at, are there any other instances in human history where a man was deceived and a woman wasn't? All right, so we could, we could do the sociology thing here and, and we could ask this. Uh, who commits the most violent crimes? Right? We talked about that. What's the percentage? Yeah, so let's say 94, 93, 94% of murders are committed by men. About 6% by women. Every single one of those men was very deceived. Because he thought, I know how to solve this problem. I'll shoot him. That's not good reasoning. That's not logic. Take, uh, take adultery. The demographics and the statistics on, on adultery are quite interesting. So men and women commit adultery at about an equal rate, an equal percentage of marriages, wind up with an, an adulterer, um, a male or a woman, in their 20s and into their 30s. Then the gap grows. Who do you think's more? Yeah, it's men. Where do you think the gap gets the widest? At what age? At what age is the gap the widest? And the largest number of men are then committing adultery against their wives. What's the age? It's in their 70s. It's in their 70s. There are reasons for that. We won't go into them. Every one of those men. Oh, and the gap is... Uh, At that point, 26% of men in their 70s commit adultery against their wives. 16% of women commit adultery against their husbands. Why the gap? Well, whatever the reasons, the gap indicates that more men are deceived to think, oh, this is a great idea. I'll have an affair. Oh, this will make my life better. I'll cheat on my wife. More men are deceived and think wrongly and make that decision than women. Study the the rational biases, the logical fallacies that we fall into. Is there any difference between men and women? Many, 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 many studies done on that. And they all conclude we all fall into fallacies equally, but we fall into different ones. That's interesting. So the man gets tricked by this, but the woman gets tricked by that. The man doesn't think well in this, but the woman doesn't think well in that. But we do it about equally. So, any thoughts that this verse means women can't think very well and men think better, well, you better just do away with that notion. And the verse doesn't say that. But we are all very dumb, we all think very poorly. We are all highly susceptible to biases of reasoning and logical fallacies. We fall into them so easily, especially when we're emotional about a topic. Oh, by the way, here's another thing. Just glanced at my notes and I had this word in red. The word heretics is in red. All the heretics that you can think of down through church history, what gender have they been? Hmm? They're all guys. So this idea that, well, men don't get so deceived. <laughs> History doesn't bear you out. We are equal in our ability to be deceived. But Eve, this is why Eve fell. She fell because in that instance, she was deceived. She was deceived by the devil. Now the verse says, Adam was not deceived by the devil, that is. But you bet your bottom, Adam was deceived. He was deceived by his own reasoning. Otherwise, why did he sin? Why did he he judge this would be better? Now, we know what led Eve into the sin. She was tricked. What led Adam into the sin? And we don't know for sure. So there are theories. Probably two competing theories are the main ones. The, The one says Adam already wanted the fruit. He'd been noticing that fruit. He'd been thinking about it. It's like when you want to buy something, but you know you shouldn't, but you keep looking at it. He keeps looking at it. He keeps looking at it, he's thinking, man, I would like to try that. Mm, God said, don't, but mm, I feel the tug. And then when she went, he said, all right, that's my cue. I'm going too." and he went. The other theory is the one I prefer. It's just a theory, but I'm going to go with it. I'm going to preach to you about it because it makes for good preaching anyway. Adam was deceived by his own reasoning. Here's how it went. Do you remember at first it was just Adam and there was no Eve? And God showed him how alone he was. God accentuated his aloneness. He made him stand there or sit there or whatever it was. While God prayed, there's two giraffes and there's two elephants and there's two monkeys and there's two heffalumps and there's two everything and two of these and two of that and two of the other and there's only one Adam. And Adam's like, what about me? I'm so alone. And then God became the first anesthesiologist and put him to sleep. And then God became the first surgeon and took out a side part. And then God made, became the first plastic surgeon and formed a woman. And then God became the first officiator at a wedding and married the two of them. And the first recorded words of a human in history, in our Bible, the first recorded words are Adam's words when he first saw her. And they are emphatic in the Hebrew. They are Hebrew poetry. The first man burst out into poetry when he first saw the woman. And you can just think about her like, what's your imagination? Was she attractive? Yeah. Like maybe the most attractive woman ever on the planet? Well, she was the only woman, so she was the most attractive woman on the planet. (laughs) And he was nuts about her. And his first words, this emphatic Hebrew poetry, are this, now, at last. She's bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I'll call her woman. In the Hebrew, it's ish. She's isha and he's ish. I'll call her woman because she's made from man. And God says, for this reason, they'll be joined together and cleave to one another and be husband and wife. But Adam is emphatic. He's... Infatuated with this woman. He's nuts about this girl. He's crazy about her. And now she took the fruit and plunged herself into rebellion against God and death. God said, In the day you eat of it, you'll die. And they died spiritually and they began physical death. And she took the fruit and went, Now, what went on in Adam's brain? We don't know. This is a theory. But Adam obviously did some thinking. You know how you think real fast and you make a decision and boom, and you go, he, he did that. And we believe his thinking went something like this. Let's see, let me do the math here. What are my choices? I could say no to the fruit, stick with God and holiness, but I'm going to lose Eve. Whew, that's not good. Or I could eat the fruit and die with her and stick with her and enjoy her company, but I'd lose God. I'll take the babe. I'll go with woman. And for Adam, it became like this. The pleasures of the woman are greater than the pleasures of God. And the beauty of the woman is more beautiful than the beauty of God. The fellowship and the converse with the woman is more wonderful to my soul than my fellowship and converse is with God. God. I'll take the woman though I lose God and though I die in the process. It had to be something like that because he was not deceived by the serpent. He was deceived in his own thinking. Something made him say, this will be better. And he was wrong. He was wrong. He was badly, badly wrong. The great English poet John Milton in the 1600s wrote Paradise Lost. And in one part of it, Adam is speaking to Eve. And here's what Adam says to Eve. He's contemplating the fall. He says, certain. Can I have that slide, please? Certain. Here's Adam to Eve. Certain. My resolution is to die. Here's why. How can I live without thee? How forego thy sweet converse and love so dearly joined to live again in these wild woods forlorn. Milton has Adam saying to Eve, I can't live without you, baby. I'll leave God and I'll stay with you. A few lines later, he says, I who might have lived and enjoyed immortal bliss yet willingly chose rather death. With thee. Men and women fell for very different reasons. It's interesting, huh? It's been the same, 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 different. And a whole lot of differences follow. A whole lot of differences began right there. Will you c- pardon the cultural whiplash? We've been in the high culture in England in the 1600s with Milton's Paradise Lost. We're going to come crashing down to the n- pop culture of 1990 in the United States and land with ACDC. You know their song, Thunderstruck? Thunder, 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 thunderstruck. Adam was Thunderstruck. He loved Eve more than he loved God. He made Eve his idol. Many a man has done that. Many a woman has done that. All right, I'd I'd like to do the Jesus thing, but if I do, then I won't, she won't dig that. I know she doesn't want that, so I'll stay with her. Bad choice. You want to do the Jesus thing and lead her with you? Adam deceived himself by his faulty reasoning. Adam loved the gift more than the giver. Adam loved the creature more than the creator. Adam did, it seems, what Paul wrote about in Romans one twenty-five, where he writes, because they, humans, exchanged the truth about God. Isn't that what, isn't that what Adam did? He said, um, the truth about God is he's more beautiful his converse, his, his fellowship is more wonderful, but I'll say hers is the better one. He made an exchange. God's is not so good. Eve's is better. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Adam believed a lie generated in his own head. She's better. He's not as good. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, dear wife, you might have the most wonderful husband on the planet. Bless you and congratulations. But I want you to know he is not your God. And he is not your savior. And your life does not depend upon and your life does not revolve around him. It revolves around Jesus Christ. Right? And same the other way around. Gentlemen, you might have the most amazing woman. Bless you, congratulations to you too. She is not your God, she is not your savior. Don't let her become an idol. There's one that you worship, there's one that you follow. The Lord is God, the Lord is God. So there's same, 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 same. And then we get to the fall and it's different and more different follows the fall and causes problems for everybody. Adam and Eve broke the same commands for different reasons. Whether you're a man or a woman, I'm going to close with this. Whether you're a man or a woman, you need to understand you are fallen. We're equally fallen. Are you a woman? You're fallen. Are you a man? You're fallen. And whether you're a man fallen or a woman fallen, you need the redemption that is only found in Jesus Christ. You need that more than you need a man. If you're a man, you need that more than you need a woman. That needs to be far more important to you than do I have a man, do I have a woman? What what matters is you don't even need a man, you don't even need a woman, you need Christ. You'll be okay right there. You can do life real well just like that. But you need Christ. You need Christ at the center of your life. Maybe you're struggling because you're single and you don't have a man and you just wish you put everything on, if I just had a man, if I just had a man, but it's not that. It's if I just had Christ. If I just had a woman, if I just had a, it's not that. Bible says, he who finds a wife obtains favor from the Lord. It's a wonderful thing, but you can be single, amen? You can be single and have Christ and be deeply and richly blessed. But you need Christ. And you might think of life on the planet like this. (laughs) Here's another ACDC song, Um, Highway to Hell. And you're on a bus and you're headed one way or the other on that highway. There's one bus has a very narrow little door. It's the door of repentance and faith. To get through that door, you have to drop all your luggage, all your idols, all your sins, all the things you want to love more than God. You have to drop all those things and you go through that door by grace through faith and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you're on the bus that's going away from hell and going to heaven. There's another bus that's got a great big wide door and you can cart all your sins and all your idols and all your other loves right on there with you and stay right in them. The problem is that bus is going to hell. Every one of us is on one of those buses. And it comes down to, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you turned to him and said, Lord Jesus, I choose you and life. Whatever the idol is that you're being tempted with, and it might be a woman. Do I choose God or this woman? If I have to make a choice, choose God. Lord Jesus, I choose you. I come to you for the salvation of my soul. The Jesus bus goes to heaven. Friend, do not. Do not. Please do not. Don't show up at the last day on the wrong bus. You have one life to prepare yourself for eternity. You have one life. Time is given to you in order to get ready for eternity. Spend it well. Spend it well by believing on the Lord Jesus and following him. No idols. No other loves. He's your first love. Follow him every day till you die. And then you'll be blessed with him forever in heaven. Same, 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 different. But we're back to the cross now. Same, same, same Lord, same faith, same cross. Believe on the Lord Jesus. And be saved. Would you pray with me, please, Father in heaven? Thank you for bringing each person who is here, here. And whether they're here in the building or here online, you have brought them to hear these words from your word. And we pray together now. We who are believers, we look up to you, our Father, and pray. Would you draw boys and girls downstairs? with loving teachers laboring for their souls, would you draw them to the Lord Jesus? And friends who are with us in the building and loved ones and others who are watching at home, Lord Jesus, would you be pleased to give them grace and mercy, redeem their needy fallen souls? You shed your blood for sinners. Draw those sinners to yourself. For we pray for all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.